bifocals and I'm trying to adjust to them. I've ten uh, I think I did. And uh, when I step and look down, uh, I lose my balance. So if I fall over, it might not be the anointing, it's probably my glasses. Well, I'm so pleased to be with you this morning and uh, just want to um, thank your pastors, Rob and Pauline. I remember being here at their induction. How long ago would that be? Nine years? I had a lot more hair then, but... Uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, God's good. If uh, you're not familiar with God, that's okay. We'll go on a journey. You're on a journey, and uh, I hope what I speak this morning helps you in your journey of life. Um, we come to church on a Sunday morning generally around South Australia, Northern Territory, and the nation. I said South Australia and Northern Territory because I oversight that with compassion. So I put them first. Um, and we come to worship God and um, to have connection with one another. But the primary reason that we come to church on a Sunday morning, I believe, is so that our belief system will be affected. Now... Don't get mad with me. Your belief system's that invisible part of you that affects your decisions, your choices, and ultimately your eternal destination. So it's an invisible part of you that will guide you in your journey in life. Not too long ago in Sri Lanka, there was a terrible atrocity taken place, and that was driven by people's belief system. Jesus himself went from synagogue to synagogue, village to village, and preached and taught so that he would affect people's belief system. Your belief system is that invisible part of you internally. And uh, so as I speak these invisible words that are spirit, and your eye gate and your ear gate receive them, I want them to affect your belief system. Confirming the things that you're taught in this church, but also maybe bringing some new things as well. Is that okay? You all look a little bit worried about that, but it's okay. God's good, and He's good all the time. You know, in Mark 9.23, this is how important your belief system is. In Mark 9.23, Jesus said, To him that believes, all things are possible. So, um, are you ready to be affected? Father, as we speak your word, we're thankful for the opportunity to have the freedom to come together. And uh, our prayer is that uh, we are affected by your spirit and by the word that is spoken. And we want to give all glory and honor to him that has a name that is above every name. The name of Yoshua, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, first, I just want to spend ten minutes speaking about compassion. You've... Uh, got a little picture of uh, a child, and uh, after I've finished speaking, I want us to pray for these children. Um, you know that in the United Nations tell us that there are approximately 385 million children that live in abject poverty. That's a challenging thing for the world. Um, but God's heart is for the poor, and can I have that PowerPoint flicked up? Lovely. Jesus is more powerful than poverty. Amen? Amen? The poor. God's heart is for the poor in Leviticus. I know that's one of your favorite books. There's a lot of good stuff in Leviticus. Leviticus 9.10. God speaking to Israel says, When you harvest your land, make sure that you leave a corner for the poor. Um, in compassion, we have, has this got one of those little, oh yeah, you see that corner there? And for you on the other side, that corner there, oh gosh, I don't know why it's not doing it, there it is. 
That blue corner represents the corner for the poor. And on all the collateral of compassion, there's a blue corner. Um, but God said to Israel, make sure that you save a corner for the poor. And if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, Ruth and Naomi, as they returned back to Bethlehem, widows, um, Naomi said to Ruth, go to the field of Boaz and glean. And she gleaned from that corner. In fact, she gleaned so well, she ended up marrying Boaz. So there's a tip for you girls. <laughs> Start gleaning. Um, so God's heart's for the poor. God's heart's for children. Um, Jesus did a very radical thing. When the children came to Jesus, the disciples wanted to shoo them away, but he said, let the children come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You know, in those days, children should be seen and not heard. And in fact, their value was at a very low level, especially if there was a disability or they were in poverty. Children were regarded as very less as a lot less value than the adults so Jesus was saying a very radical thing he was saying the children we must become like children to enter the kingdom of God let them come to me so God's heart is for the poor and for the children and it's also for the foreigner God speaking to Israel again saying embrace, engage with the foreigner, treat them as your own. And Israel turned around and said, why should we do that? And he says, because at one time you too were foreigners. So God's heart's for the poor, for children, and for the foreigner. Compassion began back in 1952 during the Korean conflict. And a man called Everett Swanson, you see him there, he was there um, ministering to the military as they were in the battle with North Korea. And as his custom was, he would walk the streets of Seoul and pray and just soak up the atmosphere. And one particular day, he saw a cart coming towards him that he thought was picking up rubbish. At closer inspection, he discovered that it was dead children. And so he said, I've got to do something. I can't just let this be an experience that I don't do anything about. So he began compassion with 35 children and today we sponsor 2 million children and uh, you can see the uh, blue nations there in South America, Africa and Asia that's where we work in 25 developing countries and the mustard colored are the giving nations and uh, it's lovely to see that um, Korea there is a mustard-colored nation, is a giving nation now, where at one time it was a receiving nation. Who we are. Now, there's lots of agencies that work with children living in poverty, and I thank God for every one of them. However, for compassion, the distinctive is that we are Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. We're Christ-centered. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe it's the power of God unto salvation. So in our ministry, it's a holistic ministry. We want to meet the material, the social, the me mental needs of the children, but we also want them to know that Christ loves them. Because what poverty says to them is you're of no value. You don't have a, f a purpose or a future. But we know something that uh, says something very different, and that's the Word of God. And so um, we are Christ-centered. In fact, we were offered around $10 million by United States Aid. And they said to us, we love the work that you do, but um, we can't give you the money because our Constitution says we can't commit to a religious organization. So if you will drop the Christ, we can give you the money. And we said he's not for sale. Christ-centered, child-focused. We believe that if you can change a child's life, and let me say this, for all those that sponsor children here, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You are making a big difference in their lives. We've had um, children who are now adults in Uganda and Haiti who are in Parliament. So from poverty to Parliament, we believe children change lives, can influence their families, their communities, 
and ultimately their nation. And we're church-based. We only work through the church. We work through 7,000-plus different churches throughout those 25 developing countries. Churches like this one in Uganda, in Kenya, Rwanda, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, South America. And we resource the local church because we believe that that's God's vehicle for the ministry to the people and the indigenous people minister to the indigenous people. So um, the days of the Westerner going over to be a missionary, it's not finished, but it's certainly changing. And uh, the new day is to resource the local churches, and that's what we do. That's our distinctive, Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. What happens when you sponsor a child? Well, they get education, they get all their school materials, uniforms purchased. Because in most of those countries, there's a cost to education. And it, doesn't, it is a priority, but not the priority. The priority is food and shelter. So we cover the cost of that. Health care, all the children are um, for dental and health every year. They have tests. Of, Nutritious meals, that goes without saying, and vocational training. We are not Centrelink. Our mission statement is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. We're not there to keep poverty going. We want to break the cycle. And we believe that through vocational training, we can resource the family as the young person is trained up in whatever sphere of business that we can help them with. And finally, we bring Christian teaching because that's what the church does. And last financial year, 137,290 children gave their lives to Christ. Come on. That's good. That's not to mention the mums and the dads. And that's not evangelistic. That is accurate because every number represents a child. So sponsor a child, we've got a table at the back, we'd love you to sponsor a child, or if you've got questions, we'd love to answer them. There's one of our children, his name's Wycliffe, I love his hairdo. He lives in Nairobi, and when we first sponsored uh, Wycliffe, he didn't have any dreams, because poverty takes the dreams. Now, he's believing that he's going to be an engineer. How good's that? He lives in the slums of Nairobi. He's 16 now. So um, thank you and, uh, in anticipation and certainly thank you to those people who sponsor children. I'd like us just in, in finishing this compassion session um, just to take a hold of this picture that you have on your seat. I've got Michael. He lives in Ghana and he's been waiting 160 days. Because sponsorship with compassion is not just the money, it's about a relationship. Writing to them, praying for them, telling them that they've got a purpose and a future. So let's just stand together for a minute. And just hold these children. Have a look at them. Father, we just thank you for your heart, for your heart is towards the poor, is towards children, it's towards the foreigner, and we just lift these little ones up to you, and we pray for them. We know that prayer is so important, so we pray for them, and our heart is to see the kingdom come and your will to be done in their lives. Father, as we look at them, as we pray for them. We want to be as passionate about the poor as you are. And so, Father, um, continue to speak to us and help us as we can help these children. May your will be done in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for that. Okay, I've got another PowerPoint here. Oh, look at that, beautiful. Identity. Now, 
I think it's really important that we as the church know who we are. Come on. Uh, there's a lot of us, and me being one of them as well, has spent some many years traveling on the journey of faith and not having real clarity to who I am. Now, I do understand gifting and uh, that uh, clarity of identity does take time. It's a process. So I want to help in this process. You know, God is very big on identity. Over two and a half thousand times in the scripture, he speaks about begetting, the son of, the daughter of, two and a half thousand times. In fact, he opens the book of the New, the Matthew, the book in the first book in the New Testament with a genealogy. There's genealogies all over the place. Have you noticed? You know, somebody begat somebody and they begat and begat and begat and you're thinking, what's going on here? Well, God's very big on our identity, where we come from. In fact, Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? And somebody piped up and said, uh, some say you're John the Baptist, you're one of the prophets. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter pipes up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and, this is the one, and upon this rock, not the rock of Peter, but on the rock of revelation of identity, I will build my church. That's the first time Jesus mentions church in the scriptures. And he's talking about having a revelation. You see, we need revelation from heaven. Come on, church. We need revelation from heaven. We need the Spirit of God to speak to us. When I got saved, I didn't get saved because it was a natural experience. It was supernatural, and it changed my life. I was an alternative lifestyler. I think I've told you this story before. But for those that have not heard, I had long flowing hair. I'd just like to dwell on that for a little while. <laughs> and uh, I was building a mud brick house, lived in a tent, was living with a girl. She did become my wife, praise the Lord. Um, but I was stood in the middle of a paddock, and I'd said a prayer of saying, Jesus, come into my life. And uh, when I was in the middle of that paddock, the Spirit of God came upon me and changed me so that now, some 30-odd years later, I'm stood in front of you good people talking about Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. You see, we need the power of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit. The anointing is, sounds very spiritual, and we say, give us the anointing. The anointing is the ability from heaven. That's what anointing is, ability from heaven. And Peter got the ability, got the revelation from heaven when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you. You've been blessed there because flesh and blood, no man's told you this, but my Father in heaven, and he does it by the Spirit. So um, identity is really important. In fact, when Jesus was in ministry or started his ministry, he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and was there for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And it says, and then the devil came to him. What was the first question the devil asked? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him and he quoted Deuteronomy 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, the first challenge that Satan brought to Jesus was his identity. If you are the Son of God. And you see, for many of us, and for the world out there, people are wanting to know who they are. What's my identity? Who are, what is this humanity? Because we're a weird and wonderful people, 
but there is an emphasis sometimes on the weird. So for you and I, when challenged by demonic questions like Jesus was, Jesus responded and says, I'm not going to respond by putting on a performance for you. I'm not going to try and impress you to show you that I am the Son of God, but I'm going to let you know that who I am is based on what the Word of God says. And you see, Jesus himself had to discover who he was. Now, I want to mess with your thinking here. See, when he was born a baby, he didn't know all things as to say, oh, well, I'm God and I know all things. Now, don't misunderstand me. He was God and he was human. It says in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself of his divine privileges. It's called the kenosis. And so he went on a journey of discovery, of reading the Old Testament and seeing himself in there. Like every Hebrew boy by the age of 12, he would have memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Memorized. I have trouble with my kids' names. Never memorized five books of the Bible. But as he went through the scriptures, Jesus would have seen himself in there. And seeing the scriptures saying, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That's Psalm 2 verse 7. When Jesus went from this situation and back to Nazareth, it says he went into the synagogue and unraveled the scroll and read from Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your listening. And they got so mad with him that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Why? Because he was declaring, I am Messiah. That is my identity. So this morning, I want to bring three points to us, because that's what pastors do. They bring three points in regard to the process and the journey of identity. See, Jesus was seeing himself in, in, in the Scriptures all the time. When they had the Last Supper, which is Passover meal, he took the bread, it says, and he broke it. And what he would have done, and they practice it today, with the matzah bread, he would have broke it into three pieces, which represents Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he would have picked up the middle piece and said, I am, this is my body. I am the Isaac. And if you know the story of Isaac, who was taken up on the mountain by his father Abraham and was ready to be sacrificed, and God said, stay thy hand. That's good King James. Stay thy hand. We're not going to go through with it. But you see... This time, when Jesus held up that bread and said, I'm the Isaac, God was saying, this time I'm going to go through with it. And the sacrifice is going to be you. How good is that? See, for those three pieces of bread today, what that represents for us is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Come on. God is so clever. It's all hidden in here. But it's for you and I. Unveiling of this word. I want to encourage you. Read the, look, sometimes I read the word and I think, crying out loud, what was that all about? <laughs> now, don't make me feel on my own now. Is anybody else's? <laughs> but this is a mirror to who I am and a mirror to who God is. And it's important, especially in this day and age, we have to know what we know having a conviction and a witness inside that we know the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if you're not in the Word, it's going to be difficult for you when we get all sorts of different doctrines and situations. And part of the last days is confusion. People not sure what they believe. And people are getting really nervous with all sorts of leadership in the world. 
But it's okay. I've read the back of the book. I know who wins. It's all in here. So I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, read the Word. If you're not a believer and you're on a journey, you see, it's about the belief system. This, this nourishes the belief system. It adjusts the belief system. And if you don't have the Word, what are you going to have? Your own ideas? No, we, we need the mirror of the Word to help us in the development of our belief system. Are you all good? Now, I said three points. Now, I've got to finish by four o'clock, Josh said, I'm sure. <laughs> you did say four, didn't you? He's got his blanket. That's good. No, that was a joke. There's some people feeling really nervous and going to slip out the back door right now. No, it's okay. I'm going to be about another hour. That's all. No, ten minutes. Um, now, understanding our identity. Uh, first is to know that you belong. In fact, listen to this. All of humanity belongs, not just believers. We all belong. And how do I know this? It's because Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image he created a male and female. See, all humanity belong to God. Our job as the church in Port Lincoln and the surrounding areas is to let them know that they belong. We are not here to judge. We're good at judging, but that's not our job. That's Jesus' job. When he returns on that day, which is a capital D, he's going to bring judgment. And we're all going to get new hairdos, I can tell you, <laughs> buying. It's so... Our job as the church is to let people know that they belong. And when we're dealing with today's world, the fish have changed. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. We're, who's a fisherman here? And we got, this is Port Lincoln. You've got to be fishermen. I see that hand. Thank you. Come on. They're out there working. Yeah, that's probably true. They need to know, people need to know that they belong. The, the, the fish of today are different to the fish that were even 15 years ago. And the reason being is technology has changed the worldview of people at hand. I, I, look, I reckon that telephone that I have is man's attempt to be God, to be all-knowing. Ask me anything, I'll Google it. It empowers me to have that phone. It gives me omnipresence. I can be everywhere at once. I can ring up London. I can, I can get on Google Map. Isn't Google interesting? First two letters are the same as God's. G-O, go. But that's where it stops. It's an empowerment that's been brought into the 21st century that's changed people. And we as the church have to read who we're trying to connect to. It says in 1 Chronicles 12.32, when um, Israel was changing governments from Saul to King David, and it says, and Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, understood the times and knew what Israel should do. You've got to read the world. The world has changed. Listen, this message never changes. But our packaging must. Don't come to me and say, oh, well, we've always done it this way. Well, get over it and stop doing it that way. That's why you're not catching any fish. And Jesus said, you are fishers of men. I'll make you that. Well, the only way you can make, he can make us that is by being in the Word and seeing what he says about how to do it. So people belong. You belong. If you're here today as a believer and you've been suffering with the self-esteem and, 
And there's a lot of stuff around mental health issues. And, it, and it's difficult. I understand that. But God has given us a message. And the message to you today is you are valuable. You belong. You have a purpose. You're not on this earth just to exist. You're here for a purpose, to change lives, to, to create an opportunity for God to change lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And let Him do... Look, if you're filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't be weird. Just be normal but supernatural. There's got to be more supernatural in the house. In the last three and a half years, I've visited 170 churches. Come on, I need a clap for that. (laughs) I need a clap or some medication. But we cannot just continue to go through the motions of having church on a Sunday and nothing changing. It's the time for us as the church to understand we belong to God. And He belongs to us. There's a divine exchange. Your sin for His divine power. What a, ch- what a deal that is. Come on, you businessmen and women. That's a deal. Belong is part of our identity. Okay. Sorry, I get a bit passionate about things sometimes. I understand, this is the second point for those that are counting. I'm broken. I understand my brokenness. Um, It says in Romans, For all have sinned. How many? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The, the Ten Commandments were given to reveal our sinfulness. They weren't, somebody said to me, oh, I live by the Ten Commandments. I said, oh, well, I wish you well. I don't. No way. No, the Ten Commandments are there to reveal my brokenness. Uh, I reckon God could have just done one commandment. Moses could have come down with the uh, slab and just had one commandment on there that said, you shall not bear false witness. Now, if you've ever told a lie, lift your hand. If you didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) I understand my brokenness because inside of my brokenness, it creates that need for God. That's why the world think that they can do it on their own, that we can sort out all the problems. The problems just keep happening all the time. We've got it in the Gulf right at the moment with Iran and the USA. And in, in a few weeks' time, it'll change from North Korea to South Korea. or where The problems, you can't do it, man. We need God. And the Ten Commandments were given to reveal our brokenness. And it's really important for us to understand our brokenness, but not to live in it. Because by the Spirit of God, we can go on that journey of being conformed to His image. I'm still on the journey. Boy, it seems a long journey sometimes. Mind you, time goes so quick. I can't believe 2019. Wow. And as you get older, you see, on the inside, I'm about 19. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, somebody said to me, um, it was a group of young people, they said to me, oh, how old are you going to be when you go to heaven? When you're in heaven. I hope I'm 120 when I go to heaven. But anyway, and they said to me, how, how old will you be when you're in heaven? And I thought, I better get some scripture on this. And I got it. I know how old you're going to be. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 
It says, as he is, so we shall be. So I'm thinking to myself, how old was Jesus when he died? 33, and I said, that'll do me. (laughs) Now all the young people went, oh, that's so old. And I said, no, it's not. Believe me, that is not old. 33 is good. So uh, if you die when you're young, which I pray you don't, you'll get to 33, then you'll stop. And you're going to have a body that's not going to wear out. 1 Corinthians 15 is fantastic. Got great news. A resurrected body. Boy, you're going to see me. I'm going to be six foot two. Eyes are blue. Coochie, 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 coo. And long blonde hair. <laughs> no, I don't care about the color. I'll have any color. See, it's all in here. It's there. All right, where am I? I'm here. Final, final point. Everybody say finally. That's the loudest you've been this morning. Um, You are here to become. And and it's a, a process and it's understanding that we've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a free gift from God. And then God has empowered us to become. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this is identity of humanity. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, and body. When I made that step of faith in Tasmania and the Spirit of God came into my life, he connected with my spirit and reconnected me back to the Father. That's what happens. You see, I am a spirit, and so are you. That, that's why this body can move around, is because I'm on the inside giving life to this. Uh, I have a soul, and uh, you can see my soul at work. You see, your spirit is self-giving. When you come into Christ and the Spirit of God connects with your spirit, something happens. You're reconnected back to the Father, but you're also given the God kind of faith, hope, and love. You see, all humanity has faith, hope, and love, whether you're a believer or not. People have faith. They get on a plane to go to Melbourne. I don't know why you'd want to go to Melbourne, but... Oh, sorry. Is anybody from Melbourne here? Oh, it's all right. We can talk about them. Um, But... I, 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 I had the connection of the Spirit of God and faith, hope, and love changed from human faith, hope, and love. Listen to this. Human faith, hope, and love to the God kind of faith, hope, and love. Because in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen, it says to us, now these three things are eternal or these three things re- remain. Faith, hope, and love. You see, they are eternal. That is the power of God inside of me. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said to the disciple, he was, he was prophesying, he was saying, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith because Pentecost hadn't come yet. When Pentecost came and they all got connected by the Holy Spirit into their spirit, the faith, hope, and love came inside and became the God kind of faith, hope, and love. Come on. We are eternal beings, whether you are a believer or not. When, when, uh, the, the spirit is self-giving. The soul is different. They're close, but they're different. The soul is self-expression. You're seeing me express my soul. And the body is self-serving. You've got to have a body. It's taken me years to get this magnificent body. Yeah. And... You've got to look after this because once this goes, it'll fall to the ground and your spirit and your soul will depart. You'll be surprised how easy it is to die. And to be absent from the body will be to be present with the Lord. We are God-like. We, God is spirit. 
and we ask for it. In, in John 4, when the woman at the well said, uh, should we worship God here in, in the Mount Gennesaret or should we go to Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, and worship there? And, God, and Jesus said, neither. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in... That's why we need this. I have all the faith, hope, and love inside of me to become all that God wants. Don't ask God for more faith. You're not going to get any. Don't ask for love. You're not going to get any. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 3. Um, to every person has been given the measure of faith. And Colossians 1, 27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on. I... I Everything we need, we've got. We need to surrender and continually submit to God and, and f walk in the Spirit. How do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? If you are not weird. Some people think that being weird is walking in the Spirit. No, it's not. What walking in the Spirit is, is self-giving. If you're living a life of self-giving and not self-centeredness, you see, the biggest challenge you and I have is, the biggest challenge I've got is me. The devil gets accredited with a lot of stuff he doesn't do. Now, he's not helpful, and he's not omnipresent. Some people say, oh, the devil, it's highly unlikely he did. He's fast, but he's not omnipresent. There's only God that's omnipresent. So understanding our identity is that you and I have been empowered to become all that God has designed for us to become. You are God's little snowflake. There's only one of you. Don't try and be somebody else. Be who you are. You are incredible. But on the other hand, don't try and make somebody else like you because we can't handle two of you. Two's too many. We only want one of you. Two of you is not good. I better finish. Um, understanding our identity. You see, what, what we've experienced this morning is a drop in the sea of God's knowledge an understanding of who we are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Have you not paid the bill? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know it's atmosphere. Well, look, we want to create atmosphere. I, I, I want to help some people this morning. The anointing of God, the ability of God, um, all the faith, hope, and love inside of us what we've got to learn to do is get it out. You see, part of it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The love that's been shed abroad in our hearts has got to come out. Uh, but the battle is with that flesh that wants its own way. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. And I'm not the only one that battles this, am I? With the lights out, I can't see your faces. <laughs> See, we, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be empowered. Um, now, for some people, they say, oh, that's just a Pentecostal thing. No, let me tell you, that's a Christian thing. Right through the Scriptures, it was God's intent to give of Himself. Because why? He's a self-giver. He can't help Himself. He gives of Himself. He came to the point of giving His only Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I felt coming here, not on the drive coming here, but knowing I was coming here, that a refreshing needs to take place in some people's lives. And God has given me the liberty to say, Pray for the people. We're not, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out prayer, but it's a prayer of 
of helping by the laying on of hands is scriptural. Lay hands, you see, there can be an impartation, but it comes from heaven. But God works through people. If it were me, I wouldn't have used people. You're too awkward. But it's God. God's clever. And he's decided to use you and I to advance his kingdom so that we can say, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And when every day we're getting closer to that time when he returns. Heaven's going to be wonderful. But I don't dwell on heaven. I've got to dwell on earth and what needs to happen. So let's stand together. Now, as you've heard the word this morning, and you really sense that you'd like a refreshing, like a... The Word will stir us. And you've got gifts inside of you that you've allowed to go a little bit dormant. And we want to revitalize that. There's some stuff that you've allowed to hold you in a place where you, you feel you've not done or gone on to where you should have or you want to. If that's you, come out now. Just come along the front here and let me pray for you. Now, I know that you're here because God showed me. So don't hang about because we've got to close. Yep, come along the front here. That's great. Come on, church. I know there's a few of you. That's good. There's still some more of you. fantastic you are wonderful you are marvelously made you are God's masterpiece we want to reach out our hands I want to pray for you I'm just going to put my hand on your head is that okay just nod your head if you're okay with that if you're not put your hand up and say I don't want you touching me and I just want to pray that refreshing that ability that comes from heaven to be stirred up inside of us again to be about your business. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. Gosh, there's still somebody else. just reach out your hands towards these loved ones. Let's pray. Father, we just pray the refreshing in Jesus' name. Refresh and stir up. We pray right now, receive this love. Refreshing in Jesus' name. Josh, just go behind them. That's it. That's the Spirit of God, love. Refreshing. Stirring up in this lovely life. In Jesus' name.
Father, we just thank you for your goodness. And we believe that today an impartation has come. We receive it and we say all glory to God, all glory to Jesus. He is worthy of all our praise. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. If you're available,